0: Welcome to
1: the 23rd episode of the Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. We are back after a temporary hiatus. Uh, I'm your host Patrick Green, joined as always by my wonderful co-host Dave Latham. Dave,
0: say hi to everyone. How's it going everyone? Hopefully I sound a lot clearer than I normally do.
1: Yeah, so exciting stuff. We're actually testing out a new platform. We're using Skype to record our calls. So uh, record our podcast so hopefully it will be better and we have another host here chris drozine did i say that right yeah that's fine okay all right cool cool we, we live we live and learn <laughs> and uh he is not only a wonderful red sox writer for redsoxandfilter.com uh but he is going to be one of the co-hosts of this podcast going forward so chris say hi to everybody hi everybody and he's also a technician he's the guy who's uh helping us record this, so thank you, Chris. But anyway, down to the Red Sox, the Boston Red Sox. So uh, since the last time we talked to you, a lot has happened, and not much has happened. The Red Sox basically have been, you know, essentially had the division locked up for a month and a half, two months. I don't know, since August, it's kind of been tuned down in terms of game excitement. But they uh, clinched the division. They clinched home field advantage. They clinched basically everything you can clinch and now they are basically just trying to feel the, basically the past few weeks has been who's going to get on the roster come playoff time and that's what we've been interested in. So that's going to be the main focus of this episode. But before we do that, I do want to talk about the game we saw last night. Uh, the Yankees Red Sox, obviously anytime Yankees Reds play, it's a big deal. Um, this one, less of a big deal. But the Yankees defeated the Red Sox 11 to six last night behind a Burr of homers they now tied for the all-time home team home run record with the seattle mariners and they are one away in the last two games of the season from breaking it uh in this game luke void hit another home run i really don't like luke void but that's whatever uh but steve pierce silver lining certified yankee killer hit a grand slam uh, i want to ask you first dave if you have any thoughts on this game
0: um the game itself not as much but i because if you look at the guys who pitched in it, nobody really tried. We put out Johnson, Cuevas, Hembry, Pomerantz, Kelly, and Pointer. Of those guys, maybe Pointer, maybe Kelly make the playoff roster, maybe Hembry too. At those two of them. Likely only one of them. So we're not really trying. Yesterday, I wish we were just talk off a little bit of the cuts.
1: Yeah, the 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 people that they were. I mean, Cuevas pitched an awful. Point one innings of baseball, allowing six earned runs. Uh, it was not. It was not pretty. The bullpen didn't pitch pretty. Joe Kelly didn't allow a run. That's cool. What about you, Chris? Did you have any thoughts on this game? Uh,
2: not really. It was. It was kind of like it was one of those things where you could tell that probably everybody pitching in it was either borderline not making the roster um, through the postseason. They were just. They're kind of in cruise control right now.
1: Yeah, they've they've been in cruise control. And again, it's really who's going to make the postseason roster. That's what is exciting. So let's transition to talk about this. This should take a lot of time because we've got a lot of interesting storylines to follow. I'm not exactly sure when it will be announced who made the roster. Do, do any of you guys know? Is it like Monday after the last game or could it I'm come not, this weekend?
0: I'm not sure when they do it, but I know has already said it's 14 position players, 11 pitchers.
1: Yeah, okay, that that makes sense, and I know he's had it set in mind, like, who his people were in his bullpen, like, two weeks ago, so, um, even though some people may think it's a petition, I think he had already had it predestined, I guess, maybe, I think that's some sort so of So we would cool have sense. to
0: really screw up to lose it. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's, yeah, so, um, we're gonna start out here with the bullpen, now, the bullpen's probably the most captivating, where I expect we'll see the, the most shocking revelations come through here, um, we know Craig Kimbrell's going to make it. Any anyone going to dispute that? No. Matt Barnes going to make it. He's been awesome this year. Ryan Brazier, uh, Nate Oldie or e- Eduardo Rodriguez. Probably Eduardo Rodriguez. Stephen Wright hasn't allowed nerd runs since June 22nd. Granted, he was out from that point till early September, but still, dude's a beast. And the last two spots, there are a litter of guys who could do it. Could be Bobby Pointer. Could be Robbie Scott. Could be Heath Hembree. Could be Joe Kelly. Could be Brandon Workman. Could be Will Brian. Could be
0: Robbie Scott.
1: I, I don't don't sleep on my boy Robbie Scott. No, yeah, it's not going to be Robbie Scott. Uh, Hector Velasquez is in it.
0: Okay, so Workman gets one of the spots. The last one to me comes down between what I think they should do and what I think they'll actually do. I'd like to see them give Bobby Pointer a shot. The kid's been great in the majors by and large. I know he hasn't been up here very long, and his numbers in Pawtucket weren't the best, but I feel like he's your best best reliever of the guys left to choose from. However, that said, I think the Red Sox are going to go with Heath, Hem- Heath Um Alex Cora made it pretty clear that he's not going to let small sample sizes weigh too largely on his postseason decisions. And by and large, hembry has been really good this year with inherited runners. He's struggled recently, um, like the last month or so, but overall he's been pretty good. And I think is going to see that year's worth of work and say, I'm going to take Hembry as my last guy, especially since Pointer really doesn't have that much experience with inherited runners. None of the guys really do. So I think it's going to be Workman and Hembry, but I'd prefer it to be Workman and Pointer.
1: Yeah, uh, I definitely see what you're saying. I love me some Bobby P. Uh, what about you, Chris? Who do you think the two spots will go to? Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat as you.
2: I, I, I think they should go Bobby Pointer, and I think they should go um, Brandon Workman. But, you know, Alex Cora knows better than we are, and he's been pulling all the right buttons lately. So I, I can't really say... That he's gonna do anything wrong. The only thing that bugs me is that, like, if there's if there's runners on, it's that none of them. Like none of them are are good to bring into the game. So it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like, What do you want? And for matchup purposes you would think Bobby Pointer would make more sense being a lefty. For what yeah. it's worth
0: though, I do remember uh not to cut you off, Pat, I remember uh, – I can't remember which game it was, but pretty recently Eddie went in from the bullpen with Inherited Runners. So he got out of the jam. That might oh, have been sailed
2: there. I forgot they were thinking about using him as, the, as a reliever, not a starter. Yeah, uh, it was, it was like, I forgot about that. From
0: what it sounds like, I think it will be Eddie. Yeah. So I think of Aldi's getting the start, so, Eddie, to the pen. So that, which probably, maybe that's which their which plan.
2: Probably, yeah, it probably speaks to Heath Henry being on the roster. That was my
1: next question. Uh, who was your fourth starter, Erod or Voldy? But yeah, I think it's
0: e- e- Erod. Oh, well, I just ruined 20 minutes of audio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think uh, Erod will get into the bullpen. But So you're going Pointer and you said Workman too, Chris? Yeah, uh, I
2: mean, since I forgot about uh, Erod going into the bullpen, I'm going to change it and say it's Heath Embry.
1: Heath, yeah. Uh, I could definitely see Heath doing and He pitched 59 innings this year to the tune of a 4.27 ERA and 4.24 FIP. However, been, September's been a little rough. Uh, 5 and 3rd innings with a 6.75 ERA. Uh, let's just let's just say a lot of the Red Sox relievers have not done well in September outside of uh, Craig Kimbrell and uh, Stephen Wright. But Brandon Workman, I know he's like a consensus pick, and he has a 2.69 ERA. But his fielding independent pitching, his peripherals don't look great. 4.55 FIP. Hemery and Joe Kelly have better FIPs than him. And FIP isn't the end-all be-all, but it's a pretty good indication of a, of a pitcher's skill. Um, he has mediocre strikeout and walk stuff. I don't know. I didn't really delve deep into Workman's contact numbers, so I'd have to do that to make a fair assessment. But um, I think Brandon Workman will get one of the spots. You, if you have a sub-3 ERA in, among this group, you're probably a lock. Um, I also really could see Joe Kelly making it. I know that might sound like the worst thing ever. Uh, time to yeah, drink. Time to drink. But he has the 4.45 ERA and the 3.56 FIP. I was actually used my last Boston Globe article on Pete Abraham's uh, his roster predictions. Well, that was a waste. Yeah, and he has Joe <laughs> Kelly in there. He has Joe Kelly as the last person to get the spot, and I could see it despite the 9.39 ERA in September. Uh, yeah, Kelly's had. So he's been really. He's been an enigma all year long. Uh, We haven't brought up Brian Johnson left yet, but I still think he has a shot. He's only pitched five times this month, though, three as a reliever. Meanwhile, Bobby Pointer, September, October, 10 and two-thirds innings, 12 strikeouts, two walks, which is a very good K to BB, with a three thirty eight ERA. The usage he has been, the way he's been used indicates to me that they are definitely thinking about bringing him in to the postseason. And, again, he is a lefty, even though Alex Cora said in the past he doesn't really traditionally care about having a lefty, um, but I think yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go with you guys and say Pointer and Workman with an outside shot for Kelly, Henry and Johnson because I'm really sad Brian Johnson won't make it, but I understand. Now uh, the right. you yeah Eroder Valdi, who who should be the fourth starter
0: Dave? All right, so if you're asking me, I think Avaldi's definitely earned the right to do it this year, especially if the Yankees end up winning the wild card game. Everyone know he's been lights out in his two starts against the Yankees this year, but he's pitched really well against the playoff teams. I know it's been really great or really bad with Evaldi. There hasn't been much middle ground. But if you look at Eduardo Rodriguez's postseason numbers, I don't have them in front of me right now, but I wrote an article on it. Against postseason teams, like guys, teams that will make the playoffs, Eddie has like a 6 ERA and uh, pretty much all the peripherals back up that he's just been terrible He's been fantastic against the bad teams, but against the good ones, he's really struggled this year. So I think that's definitely a guy, and I love Eddie. It hurts me to say this, but I think Eddie has to go to the bullpen in the postseason let Evaldi be the fourth starter.
1: Yeah, I I think that's ultimately what's going to happen, because Evaldi's had a nice little stretch in September. Uh, Chris, what about you? Who do you think should be the fourth starter?
2: Well, we we talk about... um... Not, none of the starters having success in the postseason. Um, David Price, you know, his two playoff wins are as a reliever. Um, Chris Sale is generally broken down at this point in the season. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like Ivaldi has that like that extra level that he can bring when he's playing in a big game. Um, and you he, he kind of noticed it with, with the Yankees. He, he's a, like a Yankee killer, basically. Um, and. So that's why I think he's going to get it over whatever he does.
1: Yeah, I, I think just especially like how they've been used. Evoldi has uh, been starting while Erod has been relieving him in games. So I feel like that's a clear indication that it will be Nathan Evoldi. But I, I would like to compare and contrast their numbers real quick because they're yearly similar. Erod, 369 ERA in the season, 357 FIP. Uh, 2.4 F4, 388 XFIP. Those are good numbers. Eavoldi, 388 ERA, 368 FIP, 376 xFIP, 2.1 F4. Now, E-Rod's going to get you more strikeouts. They both are susceptible to some hard contact here and there, and Eavoldi obviously has a better command. So it's really like you could flip a coin, and I think effectiveness will be about equal, Um but just by how they're who I think it should be, I think it should be Evolde because Erod has not looked great since he came off of his injury. A lot of the statistics that he accumulated were pre-injury. I know he had that really good start uh, coming out of the gate against the White Sox, I believe. But since then, it hasn't. It's been really mixed results. So Nathan Avoldi's kind of earned it, despite he was. I would say two, three weeks ago, if you told someone a Red Sox fan that Nathan Avoldi was gonna be in the postseason rotation, they would be absolutely bewildered because Avoldi looked so bad from like the entire month of August. Um, so I'm I'm gonna say it's gonna be Avoldi and but I'm not Sure. Either way, who will be more effective? I think it doesn't really matter because you can stack both of them. Have Avaldi go four innings, Erod go four innings, three innings, three innings, something like that, and you can create a really nice mix. There it doesn't really matter who's starting. Uh, does anyone? I'm
0: yeah. old enough to remember when people were talking about replacing Avaldi in the postseason rotation with Drew Pomeranz.
1: Uh, th- was that actually a thing? Do people do For like people say a week
0: that? there, I remember entering the Brave series, like Evaldi had a bit, had that bad start where he like walked 19 guys, and Palm came in to relieve them and did pretty well. He had like a week straight of solid outings, and a few people were like, well, maybe Palm's like, you know, finding that 2017 form, and then the next day he went one-third of an inning and gave up five runs, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's Drew Pomerantz.
1: So they, they they didn't jump to, like, Brian Johnson or Hector Velasquez. They just made the full leap into whatever the hell Drew Pomeranz is, is right now. Is I mean, 2017
0: happened? was a good year for him. I really, like, I know he sucks this year, but he was really good in 2017. I wasn't one he, of those people who was. was saying that, but, like, the talent is there. I just don't think he's healthy this year.
1: Yeah, no, I don't either. Whatever, his velocity's down, his usage is all out of whack. He doesn't have as much depth on his curveball. Definitely uh, a weird year for Pomerantz. Is it, Definitely is it maybe has talent? Is it surprising to
2: anybody else that like during contract years, players are having such terrible years lately? Just like in general, for the most part, like Joe Kelly's in a contract year, terrible. Uh, you know, I, I think <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Contract I, year, I, terrible. I think
0: it's just you know the just the, you never know what you're going to get out of baseball. Like if Drew Pomerance hits free agency last year, he's signing a very big contract, but. Oh, you yeah. know, this year he'd be lucky to get anything really. I yeah, mean, someone uh, will take a flyer on him, but yeah, I don't know if Kelly
1: and um, Pomeranz' struggles are representative of people in contract year as a whole, but they definitely have really sucked, and I don't think there's any way around that. Um, I just think pitchers are inherently more volatile, especially relievers. And Kelly, I think that he's pitched just like he. Ha- Past couple of years, just his batted ball luck has just not been. No, I I think it's more just pitchers are just so. You never know what you're going to get with them, and I think that's the trend we're seeing still.
0: Kelly needs to find out where Tyler Austin is and just beat the shit out of him, like just for old times' sake. Get him on. He's the postseason. Minnesota, Minnesota. Minnesota? Yeah, that's right. They traded him for uh, Lynn. That's right. Yeah,
1: (laughs) he's he's with the Twins now. I saw him play the other day. I, I was watching the White Sox Twins yesterday afternoon. Why did I do that to myself? I don't know. Like, why was I sitting there watching a White Sox Twins game? Obviously, it mean nothing to people, but yeah, he was there. It's because, it's because baseball is going to be gone soon. It's making me sad. It is. I'm feeling nostalgic. But I, like, dual-screened it with the Cardinals-Cubs games, which actually mattered. Um, but yeah, I had I had the White Sox Twins on. I regret it, but I, I did. <laughs> I, I saw Tyler off that's the point <laughs> yeah um so we're gonna i think we chris do you have anything to add you're, you're comfortable with the evoldi number four yep yeah yep yeah. evoldi probably gonna be number four erod bullpen i think you're gonna be awesome oh his stuff is gonna be so sexy out of the bullpen i say that with every uh started with good stuff but oh that changeup is just gonna be such a change of pace ah can't wait anyway this is a very polarizing discussion uh, I think we talked about this earlier. Alex Spear wrote an article attempting to fix Chris Sales if he has, like, this perceived problem. Because um, his last two starts, he's allowed five earned runs, and he's only gone at, like, seven, eight innings. Um, and his fastball velocity is down. Last start against the Orioles, it was 90.2 po- miles per hour, and the one before was 92.8 miles per hour on average. And, you know, he's a guy who usually sits around 94, 96, so this was a little weird. Um, I'd he is coming off of an injury. He's working his way back. I don't know how concerned I actually am. Uh, Dave, are you concerned about this at all?
0: I'm a little bit concerned. Um, I think Sale will fix his mechanics. Alex Spear did a great job diving into it. Um, really, I don't know where he gets his stats, but he was saying, like, mentioning where Chris Sale lined up on the rubber relative to home plate, where his release point was relative to the rubber, and he really kind of like pointed out the difference. This is in sales mechanics, and Chris Sale's just such a nuanced, like, smart guy in the game. He, he will figure out his mechanics. I don't doubt that. What I am a little worried about is the fastball velocity. Obviously, salesman hurt the second half of the year, a good chunk of it. He has a history of tail, uh, tailing off his production as the year goes on, so I'm a little worried about the fatigue. And in each one of his last starts, his fastball velocity has decreased just a little bit every single time. So I'm a little worried about that. But the optimist in me is looking back into April, back when uh, everyone was worried about Chris Sale's velocity. He wasn't hitting, like, you know, high, mid-90s. He was, like, stuck in the low 90s. And he was still a good pitcher, but he wasn't Chris Sale. But I think, I remember, like, right after one of the games, I think it was the one that was, like, 12 degrees at uh, first pitch. The game after that, he was coming back, throwing 98, 99, like it was nothing. So... I'm hoping Sale's just saving himself. I'm not sure how much of that's optimism and how much of that's just actual. I believe that's what's going to happen. But I do think that Chris Sale hasn't been giving it everything he has. And obviously, when you're in the playoffs, he's going to give it everything he has. Uh,
1: my first takeaway from that is uh, regarding Alex Spear and where he got his stats. I would say Brooks Baseball. I don't know if you've ever been there, but they have like all that release point. Uh, where they actually line up on the rubber kind of information. Really good stats, especially if you're trying to look at pitcher data. So I implore everyone here to check that out because they have some really cool stuff. Um, Alex Spear, also a genius. Chris Sale, I could see him throwing 100 miles per hour on his first pitch in his first postseason start. Uh, Chris Sale, I I don't know why his fastball velocity is down, but even in those games, his strikeout-to-walk ratio was 15-to-1. 15-1, 15-1, to 1, so it didn't really take away that much from his actual effectiveness. The earned runs suck, but I don't know that was really indicative of how he actually performed or some random luck. Uh, what about you, Chris? Are you comfortable with Chris Sale going into the postseason?
2: I like to rest my hopes in that he was saving it for the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah know. me too. Me too. <laughs> I don't know how much of that's going to be true because the velocity is concerning. But I, I'm in the camp that they've purposefully done certain things, uh, maybe telling him to back off a little bit. Uh, that's again, obviously, we're not in the room, so we can't hear um, what's being said, but it's possible that they told him to back off and save it for the playoffs. And that's what I'm hoping for, and that's, that's why I'm not concerned. I'm going with not concerned.
1: Yeah, I mean, even given how Alex Cora has emphasized this conservation strategy throughout the year and in the beginning he was kind of, I don't know if he was intentionally uh, throwing slower to save his arm, but he was throwing slower and there's no getting around that. It didn't really impact him much in the way of effectiveness, but he was throwing slower. Fastballs really have wear on the arm and he's even throwing less fastballs. It's not like he... He's throwing the same amount percentage-wise. His fastball rate has gone down compared to an average Chris Sale start. So that's also interesting to note. But again, I'm not overly concerned. I think Chris Sale, even with diminished velocity, is a top-five pitcher in baseball. I hope we can get this dominance into the postseason. I would love for him to throw 98, 100, 96, whatever. But I'm not concerned at this moment. I think he should be okay.
0: Yeah, Chris Sale at 60% is still better than the majority of pitchers in
1: baseball. Yep, yep. Chris Sale is he the AL Cy Young in your mind? Try to oh, ask you a question. That is tough. That
0: that's tough. Just because he missed so much time, like yeah. I know if he had if he had made one or two more like really good starts, it's a no brainer for me. But you do have to factor in availability. That's a big part of being a starting pitcher. Yeah, oh, that's that. tough. That is tough.
1: That is going to be an interesting conversation, because on Fangraphs, I think Jay Jaffe wrote an article lobbying for Chris Sale, despite his abbreviated appearance, to win the Cy Young. I think he would have like the least amount of innings, uh, I might be, ever, well, besides a reliever of a starter to win the Cy Young, if he were to do so. Um, so that that would be pretty interesting. Uh, I think Verlander's still in the conversation. I think... Um, who, uh, Garrett Cole, Did Trevor Snell trail Bauer. off
0: in the second half of the year? Oh, no,
1: no, no. Blake Snell's doing fine. Da- there we go. I cannot believe I missed Blake Snell. His peripherals, at one point, were not as good as his actual ERA, but Blake Snell will be up there. Actually, for Blake Snell will probably win. I can't believe I just blinked on Blake
0: Snell. Uh, I was going to say, like, that, that was the first one I was thinking of, but I haven't followed, like, the Rays that, that closely. I'm like, did he have a terrible yeah. August or something? Like... No, but it, it
1: was—it's surprising because Blake Snell's actually twelfth in Major League Baseball in Fangrass WAR. His ERA is like the best among starters by a landslide. American League starters, Jacob Degrom has the National League, but Jacob
0: Degrom's the best in baseball. That's not even close.
1: Yeah, Bauer, Cole, Verlander, and Sale are all ahead of him in terms of F WAR. So is Carlos Carrasco and Corey Kluber. It's just because his peripherals are not as good, but he's really been absolutely amazing. And I—I I bet you push comes to shove, he'll win. Uh, what about you, Chris? you think Sales is Cy Young Award winner? Uh, so I think this will be telling
2: of what where baseball is going. So if he if he wins, it opens up the floodgates of well, it kind of speaks to where baseball is going, where pitchers aren't going as long into games and all of that. So the innings aren't there, the stuff is there, and the stats are there, the strikeouts are there, everything's there. The only thing that's missing is the innings, and that's why I think that it, he won't win just because the innings aren't there. I think I think it, like like you guys said, if there were, if there was one more, one or two more starts, he could probably win it. But because he doesn't have that opportunity, he's probably going to lose it because of that.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I don't think he will win, but his value in his the start he has made and the appearances he has made has been so like he's accumulated so much value in those starts, especially rate-wise, he's been better than any American League pitcher. That there is a viable case. September has not been great in terms of bolstering that case, but I think he'll still be a candidate. I think he might get one or a couple votes, uh, but yeah, I, Blake Snell will probably win, even though he does his peripherals are not as good. Um, so now we're gonna segue into Raphael Devers. Bef-
0: Before we, you got something to say? Take coming for you guys. I don't think he'll win it, but I think Blake Tranian deserves a lot more uh, consideration than he's getting.
1: Uh, I I like Blake Trinian. Tran Tranian. I love whatever. Him. I, don't yeah, I, don't, I
0: don't know. I don't know.
1: Blake Tranian, it's great. I'm gonna say Tranian. Uh, he's awesome.
0: I know yeah. he's a reliever, but like his ERA is 0.79 right now. Come on, uh, he's a reliever. Uh, I don't know; it's hard to. I, accumulate I, I told it you it was a starter. hot take, and I don't I, think uh, he'll win
1: it. But I, 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 I think I he should finish it.
0: top five.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could definitely see that, and it's just like it's so hard to accumulate the same amount of value as a reliever compared to a starter. Um, but if there's any reliever I'm giving to, it's going to be him. What he's going to win the uh, what's the reliever award called? I'm blanking on it. What I forgot what it's called. Whatever, he'll win reliever of the year, whatever the hell it's called. Anyway. I didn't even know they had that. They do. I have a reliever of the year. It's I don't want to say it's a Mariano Rivera award. It, ah, I can't remember. I don't know. I remember playing MLB this show, and my relievers would win, and it would be called something particular. But whatever. You guys can Google it. You have that ability. Uh, so Raphael Devers, does he make the playoff roster? He's had a really hot stretch lately, and I think that's kind of alleviated this discussion a little bit, but there was a lot of, lot of concern, is, is Raphael Devers have a place here, especially with Brandon Phillips' emergence? I think Phillips has just not been playing enough, nor effectively enough, for this to even be a conversation anymore, but Dave, do you think Devers makes the playoff roster?
0: Yes, 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 a thousand times Yes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I knew the answer going into that. I, I know I'm a big fan of Raffy's Big Stick, and he deserves it. I mean, he's been he's been really hot uh, the last month and uh, last month, last half month. Uh, what about you, Chris? Do you think Devers deserves to make the playoff roster? Yeah, he does. Um, side note on the reliever
2: thing, I think it used to be called the Aid's Relief Award, um, but not the Mary Barber Award. Now it is. Now it's the Mary Barber.
0: Yeah. Now, oh my
2: the, God! The AL, the AL is Mariano Rivera. The NL is Trevor Hoffman.
1: That I had Trevor Hoffman in my mind too, and, and I that's only like,
2: been since 2014. And Craig, wow, Craig, tw- Craig Kimbrel has won the NL and the AL one. Wow, good one. for him! Yeah, Hoffman yeah. And
1: the Rivera. <laughs> wow, that was a complete shot in the dark. I was like, <laughs> why do I think the Mariano Rivera? Award? I, I safe <laughs> think the, safe the a video, Best I
2: think for I the video game I thing. The, I think the video game thing you were. Elite alluding to was the Aid's relief pitcher or something like that. Yeah, um, I think yeah, that's what you
1: were alluding to. Yeah, because I used to play back in the day, and I remember having I knew it used to be called something, but then I was like, wait, I think it's the Rivera Award now, but that didn't make sense, because when I used to play those games, Rivera was still pitching. That would just kind of be very presumptive and, mis- <laughs> and biased if it was called the Mario Rivera Award. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if that, they do
0: it for anyone, they do it for Mo, though. They so. would, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what
1: about you, Chris? Does Raphael Devers make... Does, you said he deserves to make it, right? Yeah, yeah, he does. I mean, he he kind of came back almost
2: with vengeance, you know. Um, so I, I think he's played himself back onto the roster.
1: Now, let me ask you a follow-up question to this. Does Devers deserve to be their starting third baseman? You go first, Chris. Uh, Yeah, only because I have
2: a hatred for Eduardo
1: Nunez, so... <laughs> I don't think that's irrational. Uh, what about you, Dave?
0: Absolutely, 100%. I know Devers is a Liability on defense, but his bat is too good to put on the bench. He hasn't had that much success as a pinch hitter. Granted, he's done it like five times in his career. But I think in those five times, he struck out three or something crazy like that. The point is, he's most effective in the lineup. And it's not like Eduardo Nunes, fantastic fielder anyway. This guy's not winning gold gloves. I know he's better at at second, but he's not good per se. He's just not a train wreck. So I'd g- give me the upside of Devers at the plate over the defensive upgrade of Nunez any day of the week. If you're yeah. if you're
2: a war guy like I know you are, uh, Devers is actually uh,
1: positive war. Where yeah, one point one
2: Nunez is negative war.
1: Negative point five. Yeah, he's <laughs> negative point five. So it's not. It shouldn't even be a conversation. Uh, the thing that gets me is I didn't even know the narrative that Nunez was. Is is it true that his defensive metrics are so much better at third than they are at second? Because I know he's an awful second baseman defensively, and that sucked mean, a lot of his value. I, I
0: don't like, I don't like defensive metrics and sample sizes that small. I just go off the eye test, and the eye test says he is a c- significantly better third baseman than second baseman. He doesn't have the speed or range to really play second. He's better at third, although he doesn't have an ideal arm for it. Yeah, I, I
2: think. Second second base, he had negative 15 defensive run saves. Holy crap. Holy shit. In 70, 74 games. Wait, is that true? Let me let, That's let what me, baseball uh, reference says. Uh, holy Just
0: crap. Dustin Pedroia in a wheelchair is better than that. <laughs> and at,
1: at third base, he's negative four. So he has been better at third. How many, how many games? How many innings at third? Uh, third Do you have that number?
2: Hold on, I, I scrolled away from it. Sorry, it I put day. you on the spot. Look, there. So, so yeah. like
0: I said, tr- like I said, train wreck at second, kind of bad at third. So yes, it's an upgrade, but is it's it really? Forty four games, three hundred fifty nine innings.
1: Yeah, I'm on it too. This is actually a true stat: negative fifteen DRS at second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> negative. It's like third. the Chris
0: Davis of fielding.
1: Yeah.
0: Wait. <laughs> wait what, what about Rafael Devers? Where is he
1: at? I gotta see this. Now. He's like, his defensive metrics aren't bad. I'm going They're down. Not. Yeah, because for, for every, every
0: for every routine, Devers throws into the bleachers, he he robs a double down guys. the line. He's great when he doesn't have time to think about it.
2: He's negative thirteen defensive run saved. <laughs> uh, okay. Never, so wait, Nunez
0: wrong. is a worse second baseman in a far smaller sample size than Devers is at third. He,
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Wow, I didn't know Nunez was that bad.
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, yeah, Devers has the... Uh, he has a lot more innings. Yeah, his defensive, that's surprising to me. I mean, I guess he gets the positional adjustment. And his UZR, his ultimate zone rating, I think is what fangraphs use. They don't use baseball reference. Uh, baseball reference, I think, uses DRS. His UZ—he ultimate zone rating is not as bad as um, so, Nunez's. Since, you mentioned,
2: since you mentioned Chris Davis, he's negative four defensive run play in... 1,010 innings. Wow. So...
1: We're learning a lot here.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. So, um, is there... Do you think Brock Holt's going to be the starting second baseman, or should he get be in the conversation for being the starting third baseman? Ooh. Mm.
0: Did that... Who, do you, who should... Should, so yeah. should. I, I, I put Brock... I put Brockstar as my starting second baseman, but if we're really into fiery hot takes, um, I've got another one for you. I'd consider putting him as your starting first baseman against right-handed pitching. Like, he's obviously the better defender, but he's just been in such a rut lately that I'm thinking Brock Holt's bat and uh, the subpar first base defense is better than Mitch Moreland's awful bat and his, like, above-average glove.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not even gonna disagree with you. I, I, I don't I, I have my next question was gonna be the first base position, so uh now we can perfectly segue and we can make the segue transition to that. and you don't think Mitch Moreland should play. I, I think Steve Pierce should play all the time. I think he's I think he can he's capable against righties and, and obviously he's superior against lefties. But I think Pierce should be the everyday first baseman this season. He's has got and twenty plate appearances, nine fifty nine OPS. He's been great. He has 140 WRC plus 1.6 F4 in the year against righties 828 OPS. That's for his career. It's not like this is just a small sample size against lefties 853 OPS 130 WRC plus obviously good, but against righties 743 OPS 103 WRC plus. Moreland, meanwhile, who's been a 99 WRC plus point FY five F4 player this year against righties this year 775 OPS. Now it's a larger sample. But that is still about roughly 45 points lower than um, Pierce against righties. And for his career, he has 103 WRC plus against righties, which is the same number that Steve Pierce has. So they have the same career WRC plus, same amount of damage against righties in their career. And Pierce has actually been a superior base base runner. It's not even close. He's been the hotter bat. And his fielding has been almost the same as Moreland's in terms of defensive metrics. I don't know how reliable that is, but that's there. I don't think I, I think Holt as an alter as a platoon partner of Pierce is could be really fun. I think that that's cool. I get behind that, but I also think Steve Pierce could take over as everyday first baseman easy and be a, a significant upgrade. True story.
2: That that was a lot of information. My brain hurts now.
1: <laughs> Do you need a brain break? Brain break. Brain break. Give, me, give me three <laughs> seconds.
0: Give <laughs> me three seconds right. to recover. All right, uh, I'll uh, I'll go while you uh, recover, Chris. I didn't know uh, Pierce was that good against righties. I mean, I knew he was better than Moreland was, which really isn't saying that much. But yeah, I guess he's a slightly above league average hitter against righties. Great against lefties, and obviously is a much better defender than Holt is. So yeah, probably yeah, I'm with you. You sold me, Steve Pierce, yes. everyday first baseman all yeah. like throughout the playoffs. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. Wow. That that was the first time I ever sold anything on anyone. It feels good. Um, What about you, Chris? What do you think about that?
2: Um, I think your numbers are solid. (laughs) I'm going with you on that one. Uh, Cool. Yeah, just because I Mitch Moreland's been on like a, he's just been downward trend since a while ago. So I I just don't think he um he he should play over Steve Pierce. You know. I think Steve
1: Pierce has actually earned it, especially if it's
2: against the Yankees.
1: That's what I was just about to add. Yeah, if it's against the Yankees, you do not sit Steve Pierce out. You You find a way to bat him
0: one through nine, like, just every time.
1: Oh, yeah. uh, It'll be a grand slam every time, hopefully. (laughs) I don't know if you were watching last night. I don't know if any of you guys watched, but I thought Steve Pierce was going to hit his second grand slam in in the bottom nine. He had bases loaded, two outs. And he had already hit the Grand Slam in the game. Ready for another one. Make it an 11-10 ball game. Roldish Chapman comes in, faces Raphael Devers. We know what Raphael Devers did to Chapman in 2017. Ties the game up 11-11. Like, I was ready for this narrative to happen, but <laughs> we felt better. That,
0: that would have been hilarious. That would have been the greatest, but...
1: Oh, yeah. Yankees would have just thrown the white flag. They wouldn't even showed up for the maybe ALCS that they're going to have to play the Red Sox in. ALDS, sorry.
0: Yeah, that 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 would have been a dream, and they the Yankees probably would have lost their postseason eligibility just for that alone. (laughs) But (laughs) they would just retroactively take it back. Let the Mariners.
1: Yeah, exact Seattle Mariners, Tampa Bay Rays in. Give me some Rays. Yeah, I like the Rays. The Rays got the Rays
2: got hosed
1: this year. The the Rays, man, they they've come out. Yeah, how did they do that? Like, well. I think it was partially credited to the bullpen day. I think their roster was very deep. They have a really rich farm system. And Blake Snell's like the best pitcher in the American League. And the lineup's pretty good. The outfield has Tommy Pham, Malik Smith, Kevin Kiermaier. That's pretty sexy. Joey Wendell probably should win A.L. Roy, if not Shohei Otani. They've had some really good players. And, like, I don't want to root for the Rays because, you know, they're my division. But I just love how... How they've gone against the grain and performed so well with the salary that they're dealing with. So I've been a huge Rays guy. So go Rays, go Kevin Cash, Manager of the Year. No,
0: don't go Rays. They're probably going to challenge for the division next year.
1: Look, I Rays, I I just am rooting for their story. I don't want them to win the division. Wild card,
0: second place, second place, place,
1: overtake the Yankees. Do what do what they did to the Red Sox in two thousand eleven. Have Evan LaGoria come back hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth against the Red... What You remember that, when Evan Longoria hit the home run? Oh, top. I tried to
0: yeah. forget it.
1: Yeah, that, that's it, what I wanted to do. 2011,
0: I just pretend, like, that year didn't happen. Oh,
1: Carl Crawford, Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, what a luxury of riches we had. Uh, <laughs> Sad times. Sorry I brought that up.
0: Yeah, but, way, to, way to kill the mood.
1: Uh, I really did. Uh, but now we're going to move to the Red Sox catchers. Should they carry the three catchers? I think they obviously will. I think Swihart, Vasquez, and Leon will have a have a place. But should they actually do it? Dave, you go first.
0: Will they? Yes. Should they? Absolutely not. I have no idea why Christian Vasquez is going to be making the postseason roster. I get why Swihart's the best catcher all around. I really don't think there's anyone who would dispute that right now. Sandy can't hit to save his life, but the pitchers are in love with him. I think Rick Porcello and Sandy Leone secretly got engaged some point in August. Just listen to the way that Rick talks about Sandy. So, he makes the pitchers happy. You can put him in for the start and then have Swihart pinch hit the rest of the game. So, I get it. I get why he's not a particularly good defensive catcher this year. He's not... um, a gr- he's terrible at the plate, and he doesn't really call games all that well. The pitchers don't rave about him like they do Sandy. I mean, he just seems like a wasted spot. Why not carry an extra bullpen armor? carry more infield or outfield depth? I really, really don't see the re- need to carry three catchers. Yeah, I, I,
1: the alternative for me um, in terms of position player depths would be Brandon Phillips or another bullpen person. Uh, what about you, Chris? What do you think about the three catchers?
2: Uh, I I'm the same. I, I don't think I don't think Christian Vasquez deserves a playoff roster spot. He just it, this entire year has just—if you watch the guy, he just like he, it's like he got his money, a little bit of money, and he's like, "I'm done." It's almost like he he took two steps back after getting that contract. Um, oh, he certainly did. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where I, I feel like I feel like Blake Swihart hasn't been given a fair shake as a catcher because he catches, you know. Brian Johnson, Hector Velasquez, he doesn't get to catch uh, Purcell, Price Parson sale. So I think if he, if he was able to catch those guys, he'd probably rate a little better defensively, I, I, I would like to think. Um, but who, who knows?
1: Yeah. To be fair, Blake Swihart also had the wonderful opportunity of catching Jalen Beeks in his rookie debut. <laughs> and we all saw <laughs> that one.
0: Well, that's why uh, I hate, hey, I hate the when people, figured it out with him. Yeah. I, I just uh, hate
2: when people use, uh, Catcher's
0: ERA, because I'm oh, like yeah. you, that's yeah. so
2: contingent upon the pitcher. Who's pitching? Yeah, yeah. catcher's <laughs>
0: ERA out of context is a bad stat. Like I, I do think that that if uh, Blake caught all of like Rick Porcello's games, the number his numbers wouldn't be as great as if they were catching Sandy. But obviously, if Sandy catches Chris Sale and David Price, and Blake catches Brian Johnson and Starter of the Week number six, obviously his numbers aren't going to be as good.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Catcher's ERAs can be very misleading. Um, I do think that there are some catchers who are better at calling games than others, but you just can't quantify it. Like, there's no way to tell, which sucks, but it's really hard unless you have Rick Porcello or, like, a pitcher raving about you to the media, which even then is still distorted. Um, My take on the three-catcher situation is I am not totally... Opposed to it because the alternatives is another arm in the bullpen, which I think that was probably been the best. But I mean, your other alternative is Brandon Phillips. It's not like there's good position player options. Uh, the, and I, I think they are going to start Sidney Leone a lot of the time, and then pinch hit him for him almost immediately, like maybe sixth, seventh, eighth inning when there's a big at bat. So at that point, when you have another catcher um, take over for him, and Leone or Vasquez is being pinch hit for. If your catcher gets hurt, what's going to happen? You have no alternative. That's that's always been the trouble with pinch hitting for catchers. But I think that is like worst case scenario. Doomsday, the odds of that happening are very slim, and I think they're preparing for the worst. Brock um,
0: is the emergency catcher. Just putting that out there. I
1: don't know. Hanley Ramirez, we're, I'm still not convinced he won't make the postseason roster. We saw him gear up. <laughs> could have oh my god that was this year wasn't it (laughs) that that was
2: this year but I'm curious uh, to know I'm curious to know if that like if at this point in the year so Hanley was with the team earlier if he signed if he re-signed with the team in September would he be eligible for the postseason uh, it's like a weird loophole right because he should be because he was with the organization earlier this um, year
0: Technically, Dan Bailey would be too. He was on the he was on the forty uh, man roster. He saw playing time before September, so technically he was. He got yeah. DFA. Could but you, he could, still you imagine, could you imagine?
2: Could you imagine they just like re-signed him? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that'd yeah. be the greatest comeback story since like ever. <laughs> oh, you said
1: Dan Butler. I thought you said Dan Bailey. I was like, wait, who the hell are they talking about? I think, I think yeah, he did, I Butler. think he did
0: say Bailey. I, uh, I meant that, Butler. The, the catcher. It's terrible.
1: Yeah, I heard Dan Bailey. I was like, oh, maybe they'll they'll sign the Vikings kicker. That would be cool. That would be okay, interesting.
0: Look, look fantasy football season's happening. Yeah. yeah, he's my kicker there too. So. Yeah, it,
1: it's it's a it's on a lot of our minds. But once, uh,
0: I've, I've got a lot going on in my life right now. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but, uh, okay, Red Sox catchers. I talked to. I said this before the podcast when we were talking. Dead last in Fangraphs wore a negative one point nine. That is so bad. People are complaining that Dabrowski didn't get a reliever. Your catchers have a combined negative one point nine f four. The next closest team to that is a negative 0.3 f four, which is the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's a one point six differential. If the Red Sox had uh, just a, a decent catch, sure. And they were out there, like an average like even below average catcher, they might have 110, 100. They might have the winning record because their catchers have been that bad. Their WRC Plus is 45, which is also dead last in the majors, by the way. The next closest is the Orioles at 56. I'm very passionate about this. I think uh, our our anger towards Zembrowski and his lack of inactivity with the bullpen is misguided and needs to be directed to the catcher position, because this was obvious. They all can't really hit. They all can't really play. So I think they should have gotten the catcher. My hot take. I'm mad about it. But <laughs> but we move on. Uh, who would you rather face? The Oakland Athletics or the New York Yankees. Obviously, they play each other in the AL wild Card game in New York on Wednesday, I believe, at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Don't miss that. I have no. I don't really care if you miss that, but I just repped it anyway. Uh, Dave, who, who who would you rather face?
0: This is going to sound blasphemous, but give me the New York Yankees. I think we match up a lot better against them than we do the Athletics. The Yankees really haven't been the same team in the second half of the season. Um, they lost Aaron Judge for a long time, and obviously that hurt their record. But since Judge has come back, he really hasn't been hitting anything that well. He had a homer yesterday, but still. Um, Stanton's been terrible through September. Seve's had a rough second half of the year. Beatable team. It won't be easy to beat them, but it feels like a beatable. We be starting a wild card game for them, so they really, you know, their best bet in the. They, they won't be able to use in game one, so really they're going to have to be rolling out a Severino who struggled recently. So I'd much rather have the Yankees.
1: What about you, Chris? The Athletic,
2: the Athletics, all Jesus out of me. Um, just because we know how good both, the bullpen are super important. And I think their bullpen, like, just kind of destroys the Red Sox bullpen. Oh, yeah. Um, And I think given that the Red Sox have had the number of the uh, Yankees in their pitching, basically, I think the Athletics are a really good road team. I believe that's a correct thing. I could be wrong. I haven't (laughs) looked it up. I've heard that before. So I'm... More in the camp of the Yankees. When the Yankees play the Red Sox in Fenway, the Yankees do worse and vice versa. So given that the Red Sox have home field advantage, I feel like that it's better to have the Yankees given their home road splits with the Red Sox, whereas the Oakland A's came to Fenway 1-2 out of 3, I think it was, and then the, the Red Sox went to Oakland and same thing happened. So I, I just like the idea that um, the Yankees generally seem to be worse at Fenway.
1: Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I think that may be too small of a sample. might be too fluky. But I, I will actually go against you guys, and I, I would rather face the Oakland Athletics. I'm sorry. Uh, they both have elite offenses. They have 110 WRC+, which is tied with the Yankees, Red Sox, and Astros for the league lead. It's a four-way tie at the top. So the offensive production is about the same. Um, and the athletics actually have the most war of any offensive position of any position players. So they've accumulated the most war in that area. They have a really good offense. People don't think about it, but when you got Matt Chapman, Chris Davis, Matt Olson, Jed Lowry, there are some sneaky guys who are doing some real damage. The bullpens for both teams are elite. Yankees bullpens grades a little better than the Yankees. Um, and the rotations where it really is a difference for me. The Yankees' rotation is 4th in Fangraph's War, 3RA and 384 FIP. That's among the best. Uh, and they have Severino, Tanaka, J.A. Happ, and C.C. Sabathia. Meanwhile, the A's rotation is 20th in F4, 7.7 War, 4.17 ERA, and 4.39 FIP. Instead of Severino, Tanaka, Happ, and Sabathia, you're getting Mike Fiers, Trevor Cahill, Daniel Megden, and... Edwin Jackson or Brad Red Sox over Sevy and Tanaka. Despite Sevy struggles, uh, he's had he's kind of rebounded a little bit in the last month here. So I'll uh, Athletics. I mean, for the story, I'd love the Yankees Red Sox to play. That would that would make that'd be more. And It'll be nice to play because if it's on West Coast, I don't like God. That's, oh
0: well, West Coast baseball life. Forgot about that. So you know yeah. how the,
2: the the Red Sox always seem to get like screwed out of the. Um... The primetime postseason games are in the ALDS. That was last year it was. But yeah. If if the if the Red Sox meet the Athletics, that happens again. But if they meet the Yankees, it's eight o'clock baseball every night, and, which I I would love. And New England doesn't get to sleep ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it, <laughs> last year I was missing the games because there was like what there were a lot of in the afternoon the, with the Astros. Yeah,
0: there was a good amount
1: of that. I I think they were all I think they all were in like the four o'clock.
0: I think. They're I had right. class the whole
1: time. Like I think I watched two games of that series. It was maddening. It was hurtful. I should have skipped class. Actually, no, I shouldn't. The results weren't good. That was a rough series. <laughs> <laughs> that was rough. But, yeah, uh, I'd rather face the Oakland Athletics. Their rotation is very not good, for lack of a better adjective. Um, but I think that's actually going to do it for this episode of the Red Sox Unfiltered podcast. Uh, Dave, do you have anything further to talk about? You want to yes, I,
0: talk? I do. The Chris Davis that's not on the A's, the, the one on the Orioles, it would not be, I, I got to shit on the Orioles because they're the Orioles. So Chris Davis finished his year with a negative 3.2 war and a 168 batting average. That batting average is the lower, lowest in Major League Baseball history. No one has ever been worse, by batting average, than Chris Davis this season. Had to mention that.
1: Had had to take a shot at the Orioles. Uh, Absolutely. I think think they're in enough pain, Dave. But I will also take a shot at the Orioles because, you know, it's fun. So all season long, we've been tracking who will have, will the Red Sox finish with more wins or will the Orioles finish with more losses? I think Jordan, who was originally a member of this podcast, and yourself, Picked the Orioles for having more losses because they're that bad. I was wrong again. I picked the Red Sox to have more wins. That's not going to happen. Orioles have 113 losses to the Red Sox. 107 wins. Orioles, you clinch something. Good job, guys. You're really bad. <laughs> what, what about you, Chris? Any departing thoughts? Uh, I'm going to crap on the Orioles too. Yes. Uh, <laughs> hey, please may- sweep. <laughs>
2: maybe, maybe next year you can figure out how to win 50 games.
1: Just maybe, maybe. Just maybe. God, what happened with Alex Cobb? That was that, so disappointing. That that team, like, it doesn't look like
2: there's much hope. Like, I saw... Was it oh, a, no, they're, I saw a yeah, tweet. Yeah, the
0: farm system's pretty bad, too. It's, I saw it's oh, Absolutely trash.
2: I saw a tweet about, like, the top... I think it was the war leaders of the Orioles, I think I saw it. And it was, like, it was Kevin Gossman, who was traded. Manny Machado, who was traded. Uh, Jonathan Scope, who was traded. And Richard... Blyer, who's out for the year, and then there was I think I don't even know who Gen- that is, and then I think Jonathan Vr, who was traded to the Orioles. So, like, literally nobody that's with the organization or that was with the organization the entire year is their leaders in war. I think it was war,
1: but it's still astounding to me. <laughs> The Orioles are an astounding team and not for the good way that at, at you usually the associate.
2: At the beginning of this year, I thought the Rays were the dumpster fire of the AL East. I one hundred percent thought that,
1: and I was one hundred percent wrong and I one hundred percent own that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I did not I like I saw the Orioles being bad,
0: but not this bad. Yeah, I don't think uh, anyway. I was thinking, like, if everything broke perfect, they could compete for the second wildcard spot just because Machado's that good. But, my God, this is historical. Yeah, well, I, I, like, thought, I
1: thought they'd top out 70 wins, and that would have been a significant improvement over what they've done this that's year. That's
0: almost, that's like practically double, and I'm I, not even exaggerating
1: that much. You're <laughs> not. Uh, so, in synopsis, if you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, Red Sox are good, Orioles are really, really bad. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can listen to this on Spotify, on iTunes. Um, And again, go Red Sox. Next episode we'll have will probably be in the midst of the postseason. So, yeah, let's get the Yankees-Red Sox tonight. I think that – who's – Nathan of Oldies pitching tonight. Who's pitching for the Yankees? Anyone know?
0: I want to say it's Lynn, but don't quote me on that.
1: Yeah, because I think it is Lance Lynn. Anyway, enjoy that. And we will be back next week. Thank you guys for listening. As always, go Red Sox. Bye, guys.
2: Later.